So, I would describe myself as Bapticostal. If you don't know what that is, that is, I, I'm theologically Baptist, right? Unapologetically, doctrinally Baptist. Um, but listen, um, a lot of times when you get the, the uh, cultural Baptist, we, we're, you know, we, we get the, the mode of being hyper-conservative. I'm, I'm not hyper-conservative when it comes to the movements of the Holy Spirit. So I would be in the Bapticostal camp, right? And so one of the ways that we would describe that is, is that, that we are— um, we are very much in tune with the Holy Spirit, and we are going to go where the Spirit leads us to go. Um, and I am a big advocate and believer of the fact that the Spirit moves and works um, in our preparation, right? A lot of times people will, that, that are a little bit more free in that end, will say, well, how can we be so prepared and expect the Holy Spirit to move? Well, I think the Holy Spirit is just as active during the week when we're preparing as the Holy Spirit is on Sunday mornings when we stand up to worship. And I think that's a truth. There are times when we gather together on Sunday morning and the Spirit may push or lead somewhere else. And, and, and I think that to a degree, um, that's, that's where we are this morning. Okay, and so there's some things that, as Pastor David was up here um, leading us in worship um, through the power of the Spirit and sharing some things and the praise team doing an exceptional job um, of moving us in that way, that, that I think as I start to, to wrestle uh, in my heart and in my head about where we're at and what we're doing I just I can't help but want to focus on just a couple of things um, Not necessarily the entirety of what I want to share with you Because there is something profoundly important about a year of Jubilee And I just love the I, I love the time and, and the pastoral heart of, of the praise team to stop and say, look, let's, let's, let's unpack this and let's do this because there's something so profound about a year of Jubilee. Listen to me. Many of us, many of us are in desperate need. We are in desperate need for Jubilee. If you're like I am, and, and maybe, maybe I should, should stop giving myself that, I, listen to me, church, I am in desperate need for a year of Jubilee. Lately, I have been experiencing what, um, you know, what, what some, some pastors, preachers, theologians would call one of those dark nights of the soul, where, where, I feel not absent from a relationship with God, but I, I feel disconnected to a degree from the God of the universe. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you haven't experienced that, and I, 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 I'm glad. Um, I, I feel like that probably is the case for most Christians at times in our spiritual walk where we experience these times of, of, of darkness where we feel dry in our relationship with God. And it's not that we haven't done the things that we've always done, right? We, we spend time with the Lord. We, we pray. We study. Um, we, we, we seek after. But there are times when it just feels dry. And sometimes it's sin in our life. Sometimes it's circumstances in our life. Sometimes it's just because we stopped looking at Jesus as much as we've been looking at everything else around us. But um, in those times for me, and, and I've, I've been in one, and I wonder if anybody can relate, what we desperately need more than anything else is a year of Jubilee. 
we need to be able to say, Marv knows what I'm talking about. And I appreciate it. We need to be able to say, behold, he comes riding on a cloud, shining like the sun as the trumpet calls. Hear his voice. It's the year of Jubilee. And out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Listen to me. If you're where I am and you're struggling and your life isn't, isn't, Exactly what you thought it would be. And I, I'm going to be okay, by the way, before anybody thinks they need to stage an intervention. <laughs> but if you're where I am, I don't care how you describe it, whether it's dryness, whether it's empty, whether it's a dark night of the soul, or whether it's the fact that sometimes you struggle with believing, is God even there? Is he even for me? Is he real? And if he's real, does he even know my name? I don't know what it is, but, but I know that there are these moments that we struggle with. And, and so we've got this whole sermon about running to keep up with Jesus. And, and you know what? We could sum it up just simply in this. There is a year of Jubilee. And it's coming. But listen to me, church. If you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, it's already happened. You know, David starts, you know, he, he's, he's talking about what's funny is that he and I, we don't, we, we know where we're going as far as, as uh, sermons and themes and, and, and uh, you know, what we're hoping to accomplish on a Sunday, but we don't talk about details. And so he gets up here and the first thing he says is, is hey, let, let's talk about the fact that Jesus doesn't win. Jesus already won. We just, we haven't stepped into the reality of that yet necessarily. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, you know what? I know that. So why don't I know that? Like, I mean, I know that that's true. I know that Jesus has won. I know that it is finished. I know that my God is not in a cosmic struggle against the forces of evil. So why am I? I know it. But I don't know it. And then he says that, and I, I'm like, wait a minute. Then why? Why? And then we get, we get to, to singing about our God is, is a lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power. And he's the lamb that was slain. Guys, listen, this is a big deal. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I just feel compelled to share with you what's on my heart. And what's on my heart is I, I'm very moved this morning by the fact that my God, my God is a God of power. My God has given me everything that I need. My God has provided every ounce of everything that I need, whether I feel it or not. It's a good word whether I feel it or not. We, we, we look, we've been talking in this sermon series about this big five, this, this core values, and so we've been tackling core value number one. This is actually a series of sermon series that we'll be doing over the course of the next year. And this was just number one, running to keep up with Jesus. And we've talked about how Jesus is necessary. We've talked about how Jesus is worth it. We've talked about how 
you know, when it comes to change or it comes to being flexible or it comes to anything other than changing the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is worth it and that our job as a church is just to run to keep up with him, right? We've talked about that. We've been, we've been pouring over that and we've been dealing with that. Um, and and th the thing that I wanted to tell you this morning, um, just to kick us off, is the, is the part where I want to land this morning and where I want to live um, as we get ready to go into communion, right? And, and the simple fact is this, that as we are running to keep up with Jesus, we should be doing so with optimism. We should be doing so with confidence. We should be doing so with enthusiasm. But what happens in my own life, and in my own life, and in a lot of the conversations I have in the church, is that when we are following Jesus, we're doing it with trepidation, we're doing it with criticism, and we do it with pessimism is that we want to follow Jesus, and we're following Jesus, but, but we do it from a position of, woe is me, everything is bad, nothing will ever be right. Because sometimes in our life, things feel bad, things feel wrong, things don't feel right. Things fall apart. Things don't work the way that we want them to work. I mean, I th think about some of the conversations I've had just this morning or over, over the past week about marriages that, that struggle and, and, and are on the brink and, and marriages that have fallen apart and health that is deteriorating um, and, and that seems out of control and, um, and parents that we care for, oh, that we desperately care for that are in need of so much more than we could give them. And, and, and the drain that happens in life. Listen, I get it. And so what happens is we approach the church, we approach people, we approach the mission with this attitude of pessimism. As a pastor, I have conversations with people in this church and in other churches all the time. And the overwhelming attitude of people, not about church, but just about life in general, and that includes the church also, the overwhelming attitude is negative and pessimistic. And we approach life with such trepidation. But when we are running to keep up with Jesus, we are only effective when we understand that there is a year of jubilee. That God has saved our very souls, and he has poured out for us, and he desires for us, and we are on mission. And we do that with positivity, with optimism and enthusiasm, and we do it that way because of this. We know this. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. This is the truth. You know, we, we were going to break down Ephesians 3, about eight or nine verses in Ephesians 3, and, and I'll just give you the quick overview. Paul says, hey, man, I'm in prison because I was preaching the gospel. But even though I'm in prison because I was preaching the gospel— I ain't mad. He says, I'm cool. Why? Because the gospel's worth it, and I see that the gospel is working. And, and then Paul says this. He says, so I fall on my knees when I'm in prison for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of you Gentiles. I fall on my knees and I pray, but here's the catch. I don't pray for myself. I don't pray for my circumstances. I don't pray to be delivered from prison. Here's what I pray for. I pray for you. You, church, I pray for you. 
I fall on my knees and I pray for you. I pray that you will trust God and in trusting God, I pray that his love will grow more and more in your hearts and that as his love grows more and more in your hearts that it will be rooted down deep. And what Paul's not saying there is, I pray that, that when you trust God, he'll jump into your heart. What he's saying is, you know, Jesus, because you are a born-again Christian, if you are following the God of the universe, if you have said, Jesus, I surrender to and follow you, he is in there. My life, when I don't feel him, he is in there. When I am having a dark night of the soul, he is there. But what happens is, I don't experience it every day. I don't experience it every day. And Paul says, I want you to experience it every day. I pray for you so that you will experience it, so that you will trust God. And in that trust, that you will trust Jesus, and that trust Jesus will live even more in your heart, and the roots will grow down deep, and here will be the fruit. That you will realize how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. Because when you do that, when you realize how high and long and wide and deep is the love of God, then something happens in your life where you are living by the power of the Spirit. And, and then he finishes that, that, that grand statement about this is what I want you to do, and this is how you experience running. To, this is how it works to do it with optimism. He ends with this. He says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or we might think. This is how he ends. Right? It's how we were beginning today, but it's actually how he ends the chunk of Scripture. He says, he says so when all of this happens, you can, you can follow God, you can chase after God, you can run after God with optimism. It's like, not, not that your life is going to be happy. Listen to me. Some of you, your circumstances are far from happy. And I would never look you in the face and say to you, just be happy. Right? But what I would say to you is You can have optimism What I would say to myself looking in the mirror In these, these periods, these dark nights Is I would look at myself in the mirror And what I should say is, listen, Matt Understand how Wide and long And high And deep God's love is for you Understand it And have confidence And optimism and enthusiasm for your life Even though you don't feel it right now Why? Because there's a year of jubilee Why? Because all glory to God Who is able through his mighty power at work in you To accomplish infinitely more than you could think or you can ask And the catch is this He's already done it God has met the biggest, most far-reaching need that we've ever had. He did it on the cross. He did it with our, our very souls. He says, listen, you had a need that was bigger than any need that anybody has ever had. Like, like everybody... Has, has experienced this. Nobody is ever going to have something that exceeds this need. And I met that need, and I met it in abundance on the cross. That's how wide and long and high and deep my love is for you. That's the year of Jubilee. He says, that's how much I love you. I love you like crazy. I love you so much. You want to know how 
much God loves you. You want to know how much God loves you? God loves you so wide and so long that he sent his one and only son who had never made a mistake, who was God himself, to be born in flesh, to live a perfect life so that he could die a sinner's death for you and for me by laying his life. That's how wide and how long the love of God is. How high and deep is that he hung on the cross. God who had been, uh, Jesus who had been in perfect relationship with the Trinity for eternity had never been out of unity with the Trinity for all of eternity, hangs on the cross with all of our sin heaped on top of him. God can't look at sin. That's why Jesus says, hanging on the cross, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not because he's confused about why God has forsaken him, but because he's experiencing this reality of, God, you're not there. For all of eternity, you've been there. For all of eternity, you and the Holy Spirit and I have been in perfect unity, and now you're not. I'm alone. And I'm facing the consequences of all this sin that's not mine. That's how wide and how long and how high and how deep God loves you and me. And that's, that's, that's Jubilee. That's what this is. And so when Paul says, so man, know that. That's what I want. I pray for you. I pray that you'll know how much God loves you. And I pray that um, you'll know how much God loves you for this reason. So that you can give all glory to God because he's able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or we might think. It's like, this is what I want you to know. I want you to know he loves you. Listen, my kids, when they were little, they would fall down and they would get hurt. Why? Because they're kids. They do it. Um, Travis was really bad at that. He's not here, so I don't have to pay him. Travis, uh, I mean, come on, this kid was, I think I've told you, he dove down the stairs at one point in time because he thought he was Buzz Lightyear. One repaired collarbone later, he realized he could not fly or fall with style, if you've seen the movie. The kids get hurt, right? And what do they do when they get hurt? What do your kids do when they get hurt? They come to you and they, they want you to do what? Kiss it. Why? Here's the thing I promise you. My lips aren't magic. It was a thing I never thought I'd say in a sermon. It's true. My lips aren't magic. There's no healing power when I would kiss a boo-boo. But that's not what my kids want. In those moments where there's pain and there's agony, in those moments where there is frustration and heartache, what they want to know is that someone bigger than them loves them. Someone bigger than them will pour out for them and that someone bigger than them has got it all under control. They don't need to know how. They don't need to know what we're going to do to fix it. They don't need to know the details. They don't care about those things. Here's what they need to know. They need to know, Mommy, Daddy, do you, do you got this? And when we scoop them up and we give them a kiss 
or when they're a little older, when we sit down and we have the hard conversations and, and part of the hard conversation is saying, look, it's going to be okay. What happens is that reassurance soothes a worried soul. It tells a kid everything is going to be okay. That's what Paul prays for those of us that are needing a year of jubilee, for those of us that are having these dark times. That's what Paul prays. He says, man, I, I'm in prison, but I'm not praying for me. I fall on my knees and I pray for you. And I pray for you so that somehow you will understand as, as the truth of Christ in your heart is rooted deeply, you'll understand how much God loves you. How wide and how long and how high and how deep. And in that, you can have confidence that it's going to be okay. I don't know when it's going to be okay. But you can have confidence that it's going to be okay because now all glory to God, who's able, through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or even think. And we can have confidence in that because he's done it. That's the point of the cross. This is what we're going to do with communion. We're going to celebrate this truth. Um, we're going we're to have the, the men come up in a minute to serve as communion. And as we do that, we're going to be celebrating this truth that God does this for us. He's done this for us. Right? What we will see that day when Christ comes and, and trumpets and flashes of light and, and all of this, what we will see on that day is the, is the coming in power of what God has already accomplished for you. You can have confidence and optimism and enthusiasm. Does it make sense? Does your life work? Is it doing everything you wanted it to do? Probably not. You know, some of you are in far better shape than some of us. It doesn't matter. Right? Because God has met our need and we can do this life. We can run after Jesus with confidence because we know that he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And here's the thing. I got a big list. I have a big list of things I want God to accomplish in my life. But he loves me wide and long and high and deep, and he is able to accomplish infinitely more than I might ask or even think. Man, I'm going to ask you to come on up. Praise team, you can come on up too. And we're going to just celebrate communion together, and I'm going to encourage you. Um, and thanks for your patience. Listen, if you are where um, I am, and I don't mean in detail, but I mean in feeling at times, like something isn't where it should be, then here's what I'm going to ask of you. I'm going to ask of you that, um, that you take a minute and you pray. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to pray with me. It doesn't need to be my words. It can be whatever words you want to use, okay? And as we pray... Um, I'm just going to ask you um, to trust God for Jubilee because he is able to do more than you could think or ask or imagine. And if you're sitting here today and you're not in one of those seasons, then I'm going to ask you to be like Paul. 
I'm going to ask you um, to fall on your knees. You can do it physically, you can do it emotionally, you can do it metaphorically. I don't care if you actually fall on your knees or not. But I'm going to ask you to fall on your knees, and I'm going to ask you to be praying for those that you know need it. That they would know in their heart of hearts how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of God is. And they would have confidence knowing that our God is able to do infinitely, abundantly more than we might ask or imagine. I'm going to ask us to bind ourselves together as a church in this way. Pray with me. Father God, you are the giver of every good thing. And so I, I know that truth. Like I intellectually, I understand, God, that you are the giver of all good things. But when I wake up in the morning, sometimes I feel like there's no good things. And you are the blessing. Um, you have blessed us with your presence. You have blessed us with salvation. You have blessed us with your Holy Spirit living in us. But, but Father, I will confess to you that there are times when I wake up in the morning uh, and I live my life and I lay down at night where I feel... Um, cursed rather than blessed. Father, you are gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, but I will confess to you that there are times when I feel like you must be angry with me because of the disconnect that I feel or, or the struggles that I have or the tension in relationships or whatever it is, I, I feel like you must be frustrated and angry with me, even though your word tells me otherwise. Father, your word tells us that you are the lover of our souls. But I will confess to you that there are times when I feel like I'm not sure that you like me. Father, I confess these things to you, not because I expect you to, to miraculously um, have, have an answer in my soul for each and every one of them, but I confess them to you, uh, one, because you know them already, and two, because they're not too big for you. They don't scare you. But Father, I confess them knowing that, that in who you are, that you whisper to my soul, that you whisper into my heart of hearts that you love me and that your love is wide and long and high and deep and that you will see me through because you are able to do infinitely more than I could ask or imagine. Father, I thank you that, that you will meet us where we are and that you will encourage us in this, that you are for us and not against us. And Father, my heart prays with, with my brothers and sisters in this congregation that struggle with similar things. Whatever the circumstances are, Father, I pray um, with my brothers and sisters that struggle living in the reality that we have experienced the jubilee of our soul. And I just pray, I pray that they would know and that you would remind them in their heart of hearts how wide and long and high and deep your love is for them as well. 
and that you would encourage them with confidence moving forward that you are able and that you will see them through. Father, we love you. We praise you, and we just ask you for these things um, in, in your son's holy name. Amen. So as we celebrate communion, what we're going to be doing is we're just experiencing the reality um, we're, we're going through and we're just celebrating this truth that God has done everything that we would ever possibly need him to do. Your biggest concern, my biggest concern, is where we will spend eternity. And because of the cost of sin, we were destined to spend eternity away from the God of the universe, separated from God. And he says, that is unconscionable to me. He says, I love you so much, I can't stand the idea that I will spend eternity apart from you, that I will miss out on a relationship with you. And so he sends his one and only son. And when we go to communion, we're celebrating what God has done and the love that he has for us. And so that's what we do when we celebrate communion. We do it simply, not a lot of pomp and circumstance. We do it as simply as as we can understand it was done in scripture and so that's that's what happened so jesus on the night he was betrayed the word tells us that he took the bread he broke the bread and he passed the bread around to his disciples and he said here eat this this is my body it's broken for you it's going to be broken for you eat it and remember what i'm about to do and so that's what we do as we come and, and we take the bread we're remembering what God has done for us. You want to know, like, God, where are you in these moments of my life when it feels out of control and when chaos reigns and I feel all alone and I don't understand what's happening and everything is falling apart and nothing makes sense and I can't figure it out. Where are you? Remember. Do this to remember. Remember that I love you so much that I poured, I I let my body be broken for you. And it was. As it hung on the cross, his, his body was broken. For you, for me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he poured the cup and and, and he passed and he said, here, um, drink this to remember me. This cup, this this is my blood, right? This is is a symbol of my blood that is going to be shed for you. It's the sign of the new covenant. So not only is my body going to be broken for you, but what's going to happen is my blood is going to be poured out and the shed blood of Christ on the cross is going to, to cover your sin it's going to be what we fancy word propitiation for your sin it's going to make payment for your sin so my body is broken right i am dying as a sacrifice all of your sin is put on me and i am dying and then my blood is poured out and that's a sign of this new covenant that in me you are guilt-free in me you have forgiveness In me, I have met your greatest need. All you got to do. And when I say all you got to do, that's even unfair because, man, it is a tall order. I'm not soft-selling you Christianity. But if you're mired in sin and you're destined for hell and you want to know the way out, all you have to do is look at Jesus and say, listen, Thank you for dying for me, and I am now making you the Lord of my life. We say this all the time. It's a momentary decision with a lifetime 
of daily decisions and calls to follow Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people say to me, man, I want to know what it means to be a Christian. That's it. That's what it means to be a Christian. You say, thank you for dying for me. I accept Jesus' death on the cross as a sacrifice that pays for my wrongness, my sin, my brokenness. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm now making him Lord of my life. Thank you for the resurrection. I'm making him Lord of my life, and I am living a life that honors him. And will I mess up? Absolutely, I will. And when I do, I confess it, and I keep going. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's it. But in communion, we celebrate the cross where he is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. And because of that, we can go forward in confidence. Listen, if you are having one of those moments, um, I pray that you would just sit and reflect. And that as you come and you take the bread and you take the cup, that you would wrestle with the fact that, you know what? This is how much God loves me. This is how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is for me. I pray that, that if you struggle as you come forward today to take communion, that you would just tell yourself as you take the bread and you take the cup, that you would just say it out loud if you want to, say it to yourself, I don't care, but that you would, that you would have a dialogue where you would say to yourself, self, this is how much the God of the universe loves me. This is how high and how deep his love goes for me. This is how wide and how long it is. This is what he can do. And then just tell, look, self, it's going to be okay. You don't see it, you don't know it, but it's going to be okay because this is how God's got you. I'm going to pray for us and thank for the elements, and then I'm going to ask you to come, um, and we'll just dismiss by rows, and you can come and take them and take them back to your seats, and, and we'll take them together. Okay? Um, I'm going to encourage you. When we take communion, we do so as followers of Christ. If you are a member of this church or a member of any church or you are a member of the body of Christ, we invite you to take communion with us. If you're sitting here this morning and you can't legitimately say in your heart, I have decided to follow Jesus, then we'll ask you to refrain. Okay, this is something that those of us that are followers of Christ do because we celebrate what he did on the cross to reconcile us to God. So, um, if you are sitting here and you're like, I'm not sure if that's true for me or not, listen, there's no time like the present. You make that decision. There's no fanciness to it. You just, God, I surrender to you. Thank you, and I'm going to follow you. That's it. Pray with me. God, we thank you so much for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you for your body that was broken for us. We thank you that, that you willingly laid down your life so that you could die for us. God, nobody took your life from you, but you gave it up voluntarily so that we could be forgiven, that we could be free, that we could have our year of jubilee. And Father, we, we thank you for your blood that was poured out. We thank you for the fact that you were resurrected, that you picked up your own life again after three days and burst forth from the grave. And by the power of your blood, you conquered death once and for all. So that those of us that are following you, though we die like everyone else, we will live. 
you've met our greatest need. We thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for the love that you have for us. Father, we love you and praise you. Amen.